three, two, one. Welcome to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, and I'm so happy to be joined today by my co-host. Please give it up for Ty. Hey, everyone. How you doing? That's right. Ty wants to know how you're doing, and you can let him know personally when I give out his number at the end of this episode. Uh, But today, we are not (laughs) going to be reviewing any uh, pop culture stuff. No TV shows, no movies. We're just going to be talking current events today. Are you ready for that, Ty? You ready for some housekeeping? I'm so ready. It's like being back in school. Let's do it. All right. That's What are your current events? Except now... I was going to say we're not even getting paid to do it. We're doing it for fun, but we didn't get paid to do it when we were kids either, man. That's very true. Very true. All right. All right. Uh, this this episode is uh, sponsored by Edibles. Here we go. So uh, <laughs> we <laughs> we have several, several headlines. The first one is one I witnessed personally, and uh, <laughs> the internet is roasting Eric Trump because he doesn't understand anime. <laughs> I haven't um, heard this, so uh, please explain. Okay, so... Eric Trump seemingly alleged a vast left-wing conspiracy from Google to censor images of protests. Quote, Google is once again trying to manipulate Americans, the president's son tweeted. Type mob or mobs into Google and watch what comes up. Do the same on any other search engine. So, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then he wrote hashtag nothing to see here. So he has screen grabs of uh, him looking for mob in different search engines like Bing, Yahoo, some other one. I don't know what it is. But in Google, instead of like a mass of people swarming, it just shows images for the anime Mob Psycho. And <laughs> and he's like he's losing his fucking mind over it. Uh, so, guys, Please go check that out on Twitter. He didn't delete it out of shame yet, uh, but I had a lot of fun trolling him from the Politipop podcast Twitter account. I, like, uh, Googled Kenshin, and I'm like, yeah, can you believe the left-wing conspiracy that I'm trying to look up replacement shins for my Ken doll, and all of a sudden it's just this anime? Um and then, uh, oh, what was what was the other one I did? I was like, oh, I was trying to find evidence to get Hillary Clinton and lock her up. And uh, I I typed in case closed, and, nice. uh, <laughs> and took a screen grab of all the Detective Conan shit. I, I did that for like five of them. And then the last one, I I typed in Dragon Ball, but like I put a little text over it in the search bar that just said, um, uh, the Trumps are complicit with destroying American democracy, and uh, and that, nice. that was it. It's a it's a clinic in comedy, I would say, but um, I think what's dangerous about this is just that like there are people who also don't know shit and will believe it. Yeah, that's true, very true. It happens all the time, right? Yeah, like that's how we get PizzaGate and stuff like that. Except like at least that stuff is normally normally it's not being like put out there by mainstream sources like eric trump is a pretty mainstream source like a lot of followers there you know not everyone's gonna actually check it out to see that oh it's a fucking anime that he he just searched up mob (laughs) that was it oh my god wow 
Uh, so this story is about six days old, but I think it's still worth talking about. Um, John Boyega came out to uh, call out Disney and Ryan Johnson for how they sidelined him. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. He, he, he basically, I guess he's not under contract anymore, so he's coming out and he's just saying whatever he feels. You know, um, he's he's been showing to be protesting for Black Lives Matter in London, uh, you know, back when the protests began a few months ago. He's been openly, you know, speaking about it and, and kind of using the platform to, to support, you know, black lives and, and people of color. So he, I guess he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And uh, he was interviewed and he said, what would I say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. So obviously he's he's pretty pissed, you know, um, and, and you know I don't think we've really talked about Star Wars on this podcast, but you know I, I feel very strongly about the new trilogy. I really enjoyed the Force Awakens. I hated the Last Jedi, and uh, the Rise of Skywalker was not a fan of those two. Um, and, and you know I think he's John Boyega is bringing up a lot of reasons for why those films were not as successful. Um, you know he he says here uh, in the Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson turned him into the uh, MacGuffin love interest, whose romantic importance is teased but never fulfilled. By the time Rise of Skywalker came out, Finn is at best a comic relief opposite Poe, and is at worst an accessory to the action. And I think that, uh, you know, is very accurate. In, in the first film, you know, John Boyega was, a, was very prominent. In The Force Awakens, John Boyega... You know his character Finn is is very important. He's he's arguably the protagonist. Um, he's he's kind of hinted in the promotional stuff as being a Jedi. You know he's wielding a lightsaber. Um, you know he he has a moral background that causes him to to leave a Kylo Ren's army. Um, and, and a whole bunch of stuff. And, and you know obviously they reveal later on that that Ray is is you know a Jedi or has you know uh, force sensitive powers etc. But he still remains such an important part of it. Um, and there definitely was a chemistry between him and, and Daisy Ridley there. And then by the time Last Jedi came around, they really did just kind of shove him off to the side. He had like this B-list story that no one cared about. Um, and, and, like you could have taken him out of the film and it wouldn't have changed anything. And I think that's that's kind of where he's at. And he wasn't the only person of color that was affected this way. You know, he, he goes on to say... He knew what to do with these other people. When it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know, fuck all, Boyega said. So what do you want me to say? Uh, what do they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. Um, so, you know, <laughs> another, another character... Uh, you know, Kelly Marie Tran played, um, she, she's Asian, and her character was kind of not loved by fans. And by the time the last, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, rather, came around, they almost completely wrote her out of the film. And it just seemed like they didn't know what to do with them, um, aside from Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver, who were both, you know, white, white leads. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I definitely agree with his comments. Um, I think that it's important that he's he's talking about this. Because if you don't, people just assume, yeah, you know what, he didn't have a problem with it, so why should you, right? Why should anybody have, have an issue with it? And, and yes, he got paid for his work, and, you know, it, it probably started his career. And he, he goes on to admit that. He even, you know, talks about how he respects J.J. Abrams, um, and J.J. had to come in and, you know, and, and kind of fix this mess. But um, this is just an issue with Hollywood, I think, in general, with, with you know, non-white actors, 
either being portrayed um, in not a not a good light, you know, not an accurate light. Uh, maybe being portrayed as gang members or, or things like that, or just not having an important role and, and not knowing what to do with them. Um, and, and I'm glad that he said something. Once again, we have never ever discussed Star Wars on this podcast ever in the history of this podcast. You, myself, characters we were improving and playing have never discussed Star Wars on this podcast. But um, this was this is actually on my list of stuff to talk about too. And it's not it's never uh, it was never something that I thought about until John Boyega mentioned it. Uh, well, there was a there was a tweet uh, earlier on, like a, like a year or two ago, that mentioned it, and it, it pretty much said like that. The, the big mistake they made was by putting John Boyega as a marketing tool. Like, that's what they did. They made yep. Finn a marketing tool. They had him holding a lightsaber. Like, you know, like, uh, oh, he's going to be the next Jedi, the next generation of Jedi. And you hear toxic fans, they're always talking about forced diversity, forced diversity and stuff, you know, in comic books and movies and shows and everything that, that they love and ruining the childhood because not, not everyone, every character is white. Uh, but, like, this kind of was forced diversity in the way that they just wanted to attract a larger audience and then throw that character to the side. And, you know, from from one perspective, I told you this off mic, it could sound like it's kind of petty because he's talking about his character. But he also talks about, like, I didn't know that Oscar Isaacs was a person of color. He's from Guatemala. You know, he talks about, about uh, you know, about Poe, about, uh, you know, Rose Tico and everything like that. Like, I think that the biggest fuck you to those toxic fans would have been after they were bullying Kelly Marie Tran would be like to make Rose such an an awesome character. Like, but they really did just sideline her in the end. And, you know, he does talk in the article about how like, he's not blaming JJ necessarily. Like his relationship with JJ is pretty good, but like, you know, that how there, there wasn't a plan for these characters. And you, you were pretty surprised by that, too, you mentioned, that there wasn't even an outline for Ryan Johnson to read from when, when he took over the franchise for a film. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you plan a trilogy, usually there's some sort of uh, overarching plan, right? Even if you have just a basic story mapped out. Uh, and, and you know, usually there's a there's a similar either the same director um, or, or or again same writers. But in this case, it was totally different people working on all of these films. Um, I know, like the original trilogy of Star Wars, you know, way back when, wasn't directed by all the same people, but uh, George Lucas was involved, right? He was heavily involved in all the films, regardless of whether or not he directed. So there was some sort of cohesion there. And, and here we didn't get that. It, it really seemed like Disney was trying to just push this out as quickly as possible and make as much money off Star Wars. Maybe because they wanted to get, you know, Mark Hamill back and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford before they died. And look, it, <laughs> Carrie Fisher died right after filming, uh, you know, The Force Awakens. So maybe that's, you know, they were right in that regard. But again, it was just it was just pushed out so quickly. Um, and for, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, who was in charge of these films, to take take Force Awakens, have J.J. Abrams direct it, you know, ha- have it written, and then give to Ryan John and say, here, you write and direct it however you want. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense, and and the way Force Awakens set up characters like Finn and Poe, uh, they they seem to be so important. They seem to be the new, you know, Han and Leia and Luke, these these new characters. And by the time Last Jedi came around, they kind of really diverted that and focused on Kylo Ren and uh, and Rey. 
and you know whether that was intentional because they are you know actors of color and you know they wanted to make it white leads i don't know but you know i think making finn such an important part of force awakens felt very organic to me it didn't feel forced right it, it they never shoved the fact that he's black in your face like a lot of these you know conservatives always say uh, they're doing it, he just happened to be you know a black actor playing this character but even then they still couldn't do it right and it, it's just uh it's disappointing, you know, as, as a fan, and I'm sure it's disappointing to a lot of people who are excited to see, you know, uh, a black character have such an important role, um, aside from, you know, Lando, who was kind of a grifter, right? You've, you finally had, you know, maybe a, a real hero here, but they didn't. They didn't do that. I was going to mention that, how the original trilogy is, uh, the original trilogy is pretty, uh, not just white, but also human centric, I'll say, because yeah. uh, they don't really make any of the characters who aren't white humans like important characters. Um, you know, and of course, th- there, there are like some people of different ethnicities like you do. You mentioned Lando uh, Calrissian, but like Lando, at least he wasn't put like in the promotional materials at, like he wasn't put on the poster. Empire Strikes Back. Lando Calrissian like you know (laughs) like they you know they weren't trying to get like a black fan base and everything like like Disney was clearly trying to do with Finn um and you know I won't doubt that JJ had some really good stuff planned planned for Finn and the rest of them but he didn't get a chance to see that vision out uh necessarily I mean he tried to right in Rise of Skywalker he makes him force sensitive right he tries to give him like this yeah this really redemptive story but it just doesn't work because again The Last Jedi is so different you know, you have these different pieces rubbing against each other. It just doesn't really work. So, you know, without without reviewing Star Wars, because, you know, I can go on and on for hours about it. Um, yes, you know, yeah. Right, we, we will one day. Maybe, yeah, maybe we will. But, yeah, you know, it, it just, it's really disappointing. Because, you know, after Force Awakens ended, I was really excited to see where Finn's character went. I loved him. I loved Poe. I loved Rey. I thought they were, they were excellent new characters. Um, and to see them just sidelined like that and reduced to i think he said as an accessory which is kind of what it felt like you know i didn't care about his arc after that movie um it's just yeah it's it's brutal you know i like i really liked where they left off force awakens got me so excited for this for this next trilogy like i really love force awakens knowing everything i know about it knowing it was you know a rehashing of a new hope and everything like but i i really i i really liked it you know i was excited for the for the next generation to be handed the torch and you know a lot of people are all like oh uh you know ray is the the mary sue and blah 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 but like overall like i really did want to see I mean, maybe with a different ending, but I, I really did want to see uh, Ray come from some, you know, junker uh, to, you know, a scavenger to to a Jedi and just see see what that looks like. Yeah. But, um, you know, but but yeah, they like that was basically it. It was that and it was it was the legacy characters and all the legacy characters are descendants of white characters yep. in the original yep. trilogy anyway. Yeah, that was all they cared about. Who's the son of this person? Who's the the kid of that person? And that was it. Um, I actually wanted to talk about Donald Trump and his relationship with uh, uh, veterans at the moment. <laughs> uh, the Atlantic uh, had, had published this um, this article that that says that Trump has reportedly mentioned that that people who have uh, who who have died in war 
are uh, are losers and suckers. So when the when President Donald Trump canceled a visit to the Ein Marne, I'm going to say it is, American Cemetery near Paris in 2018, he blamed rain for the last minute decision, saying that the helicopter couldn't fly and that the Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. Neither claim was true. Trump rejected the idea of the visit because he feared his hair would become disheveled in the rain and because he did not believe it important to honor American war dead, according to four people with the firsthand knowledge of the discussion that day. In a conversation with senior staff members on the morning of the scheduled visit, Trump said, why should I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers. In a separate conversation on the same trip, Trump referred to the more than 1,800 Marines who lost their lives at Bellow Wood as suckers for getting killed. Bellow Wood is a consequential battle in American history, and the ground on which it was fought is venerated by the Marine Corps. America and its allies stopped the German advance toward Paris there in the spring of 1918. But Trump, on that same trip, asked aides, who were the good guys in this war? He also said that he didn't understand why the United States would intervene on the side of the Allies. So that's enough. You could check out the rest of the Atlantic article if you want. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised by him saying any of this. Are you? No, I, I mean, no. it's Donald Trump, right? He said he said yeah. crazier things than this. So. so, so the whole thing about this that that gets me is like these people. Apparently, there were four sources. And they're not divulging the names of those sources. So, like, then to quote John Boyega, you know, what you're saying means fuck all. Like, you know, I, I don't, you know, no no Trump supporter. You're not going to get a Trump supporter to turn over by, by just including something that says sources say. You know, unless you unless you hear him actually saying that. And even then, they won't believe it. It's fake news. Everything is fake news. Um, like, even, you know, even veterans are... are uh, are, are split on it. There's this article in the militarytimes.com. It says, um, someone said, usually you don't choose those kinds of missions. You agree to serve and you agree to go where your assignment is, said Richardson, who did not vote for Trump in 2016. Another soldier said, if you twist his words or just take one thing out of context, you'll always find a way to hate him. He's a human being. He takes a lot of stuff. I don't see how he's survived for almost four years. The constant barrage of anger toward him. So... Like, that's it, right? Like, you know, if you're a Trump fan, you're going to be like, oh, well, I, you know, I doubt he said that. Or, you know, people are always coming at him, trying to abuse him. He's a victim. And, you know, that's that. I'm just surprised that, you know, do you think this this article would change anyone's minds now? No. I mean, if you're a Trump supporter still, you're going to be a Trump supporter forever. Uh, and to be honest with you, I kind of feel like people talk about Trump too much. And I think that's part of the problem. I think they're always giving him a stage, you know, like he's getting a little more about that. Well, he's like, he's almost getting like free, like advertising, you know, like he's always, no matter whether you're uh, a Republican, a Democrat, you're to the left, to the right, you know, whatever news source I I was actually browsing as we were preparing for this episode, you know, through CNN, um, even a little bit on Fox news, 90% of the articles are about Donald Trump. So no matter where you go, whatever you're reading, whatever news you're listening to, Donald Trump is dominating the news. And, you know, in some ways, maybe he should be because he is a terrible human being. He's the president of the United States and he's he's failing miserably. But again, you know, by giving him so much publicity, 
I think it kind of like gets him going. This is why he's always out there tweeting and, and, and saying this stuff because he likes having an audience. He's, you know, he had TV shows, right? Like he lives off of the stage. That's he what's likes all people talking about. Yeah. Him, right? He wants to be popular. And the more you, the more you talk about him. And if you're someone who doesn't like him and you keep talking about how much you hate him, the other side just comes back even stronger. So I, you know, it's kind of when people talk about like serial killers and how they make them famous, you know, like mass shooters and stuff. They always say, stop talking about them. Stop giving them a stage. Stop giving them, you know, this, this sense of, uh, they're, they're bigger than other people. You know, he, he shouldn't be the constant topic of conversation. You know, he, he's not that important at the end of the day. Um, and, and I kind of feel like that's where, where I'm at with it. You know, everywhere you go, I, I, you know, you hear people talking about him positively or negatively. And I'm over Donald Trump. I'm done with him. You know, we, we, we've spent about four years with him. Uh, and that's four years too many. And I, I just don't really want to talk about him anymore. Like anyone with common sense can agree that Donald Trump is a threat. And, and, that, and that his, his being where he is in you know, in the United States government is not, is not a good thing. Uh, but it's not like he broke the system. The system was already broken, you know, when it, when it began, it's good. It was broken before him. It's going to be broken after him. I mean, hopefully not. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, you know, I mean, technically the, you know, the system isn't broken. It was made this way yes, for, yes. you know, uh, white, uh, upper class people, obviously, like we know that, but, um, but yeah, like a lot of the problems that, that, that need to be solved, like, they're not going to be solved by just not having him there. What about the fact that we got our election stolen from us again? Um, you know, what about the fact that the guy who wants to replace, who's looking to replace Trump specifically said he's not going to ban fracking specifically, you know, like that, that he's not for universal health care and that he doesn't want to defund the police. Like, okay, so what are we trading then? Yeah. Like, what are we trading? We're going for Trump light. And I think, you know, if people who listen to this podcast regularly probably know our stance on it. Um, and, and I, I in particular go after Joe Biden a lot and it's not because I like Donald Trump better. It's because people are too busy talking about Donald Trump and his mistakes and not focusing on Joe Biden's. And I want people to know what they're voting for. Right? So if, if we, everybody in the world knows who Donald Trump is by now, we've been talking about him for years and about all his mistakes, and we want to get him out of office, and we're going to push this other candidate, let's make sure we know who the candidate is that we're talking about here. So that's why I focus on Joe Biden, because people don't want to talk about his mistakes, right? They want to they want to put those under, you know, push them under the rug and forget that they ever happened. Yep, um, they do. You know, he, he has sexual assault allegations against him. Uh, he, he, you know, opposed busing. He wrote the crime bill. These are things that people need to understand. They need to talk about. And if they really believe he's being pushed, you know, progressively into the left and that he's changing his values, that's great. Let's talk about how and why, you know, what, what about him proves to you that he's more progressive? Because as far as I can tell, he hasn't supported one progressive ideal. He doesn't support Medicare for all, a green new deal, right? Like there's, he doesn't, um, he, he really has no issue with police. Like there's just, there's nothing that he's come out and said that feels like it, it supports what the left supports. So uh, again, you know, we know Donald Trump is a piece of shit and we know what he's going to do. Um, and we know what he's not going to do. He's a big talker, right? Like I feel like he really hasn't yeah. done anything. You know, he, he's, he hasn't gotten his wall built. He hasn't started any wars. He, he really has done nothing. 
uh, just talked a lot and been like super racist and sexist, which is what he's always done, whether it's on The Apprentice or on uh, Twitter or giving a presidential speech. That's that's who he is and what he does. Um, and I'm done with with his performance and his acting. And I don't you know, I don't need to talk about him anymore, but we need to talk about Joe Biden um, and, and figure out, you know, where where do we go from here? You know, what, what is the next step? And I don't know. That, that's just that's just my thoughts on it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure Trump will, will continue to dominate the news waves as he does. Yeah. Like if you have a child who's acting up, don't reinforce the behavior and give them the attention they want. The problems don't don't end with him. And they didn't start with him. Yeah. Uh, just just because you're mentioning about, uh, you know, this whole, um, you know, like we, we obviously can't just be criticizing him. We have to criticize, uh, you know, our other, I use this term very loosely, leaders, um, there was uh, some backlash against Susan Sarandon. She was, like, getting bullied on Twitter because she supported Ryan Knight. Uh, Ryan Knight, as far as I know, um, I think he might be, oh, he is a podcaster and uh, also on the advisory committee for the People's Party. Uh, ah. And, yeah, and his Twitter handle is at Proud Socialist. So Susan Sarandon yep. came out. Uh, and said, standing by at Proud Socialist and respect his courage in sharing his journey over the past few years. We need more Ryan Knights to stand up and speak truth to power every day. Uh, so basically, like, she, you know, she's saying that she can understand why this dude wasn't voting Biden, basically. Like, you know, she, you know, she retweeted him and, and, uh, and yeah. a bunch of people started going after her and him. And, you know, she she had to, like, you know, make this whole like, listen, I'm going to vote for Biden, blah, Ugh. blah, blah. She said, she said, um, the energy used to shame people should be put into phone banking and whatever else will build enthusiasm for Biden's presidency. <laughs> That's pretty good. I will be voting for Biden as a vote against fascism. And then we'll do everything in my power to help create a people's party free from corporate Wall Street influence, blah, blah, blah. blah. I, don't, I don't even think she actually is going to do that. But the fact that she even had to say that she did, like that she was going to vote for Biden... Well, that, like, that's I what you. That's every time you point. get that, you get that all the time, though. Every time someone's like, "I'm voting for Biden," I don't want to, or I don't like him, or you know, I wish I didn't have to. You know, you never get people like, "Fuck yeah, Joe Biden." You know, I feel like that's just it's very rare for people to be fired up about him. It's always like a sense of disappointment, like when I don't know when you when you introduce your. Uh, your girlfriend to your family for the first time. You're like, fuck, I gotta, yeah, hey, you know, here's, here's my uncle. He's, he's real fun. It's, it's just like, it's so embarrassing, right? It's like, oh God. He's Uncle Joe, yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm voting for Uncle Joe. <laughs> I don't want to, but I have to. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've gone over it time and again. Listen to our Snowpiercer episodes. We talk a lot about it on yeah. that. We were like, more hopeful you know, back then. That's sad. We, yeah, yeah, we really were because <laughs> I'm not sure that Bernie was like out, out yet at that yeah. point. And, um. You know, it's it's just like just like how in Snowpiercer the machine was built to work a certain way, and you know, with controlled opposition and everything, like that's exactly what's happening here. Like the DNC was never, um, you know, was never for the people the way you think they are, and like you know, they just they they saw somebody who was actually for the people and said, oh no 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 he's he's not he's not there for our you know protecting our interests and everything like that and, um. You know, so yeah, it's it's just you like people keep saying how free of a country we are. Like, what are we really free to do? You're free to work or die. Yeah. Like, that's it. And that's that's kind of more uh, that's a different discussion critiquing capitalism. But like, 
you know, now we, oh, now we have the freedom to vote for whoever they tell us to vote for. And if you don't vote, you're going to be ridiculed, right? You're like, yeah. a, you're like oh, a fucking you want, leper. That means you want another 40 years of Trump? It's yep. like, no, motherfucker, that's not what I said. Yeah, ever, you know, everyone wants to stone you to death because you, you refuse to play by the rules, you know? And they're like, well, you're, this is what you're getting. This is on you. No, it's not on me. You know, you, you, you can't keep screwing us over and taking away any chance of us having a voice and then telling us we have to join in, you know? It's just, it doesn't, it, it, it shouldn't work that way, but unfortunately it does. Um, and I, I think in general, like the, the left and, and a lot of people who are, you know, socialist, democratic socialists, they, they're just done, right? We're, everyone's just fed up. We Nobody wants to play this game anymore. Um, and I think they just want to watch uh, Joe Biden and Trump destroy each other. And, and you know, hopefully we can rebuild from, from what comes next. Yeah, it's it's basically uh, best case scenario, a Godzilla movie. Yep. Uh, I also want to throw it out there that Ryan Knight spits fire. Uh, I do follow him on Twitter. Actually, he's he's really great. So if you oh, uh, I'm gonna have to follow him. Yeah, if you guys are are interested in in you know socialism and the people's movement and all that, definitely uh, check out Ryan Knight. He's got some great stuff. I just want to finish up this uh, Trump thing uh, in regards to him and like nobody should be surprised by this. He you know I I because his all of his fans have already overlooked his his uh his comments you know he ridiculed john mccain for being a pow he had a feud with a gold star family when he was on the campaign trail he wasn't even president yet and he was talking shit to a family whose son had died in service to the country um you know and also the gop just has a a terrible history with with uh taking away better uh veterans benefits and stuff like that yeah. so like guess what you know that that's cute of you atlantic but if nobody's been upset by any of the stuff that they know he did or that they know the GOP has done, they're not going to be upset by sources say that Trump was a meanie to soldiers. Like, but you know what? It's not for them. It's for, it's for the, the, the liberals. You know what I mean? Because the liberals can sit there and read it and go, see, he sucks. We got to get him out. And, and they're not wrong, but you know, that, that's who they're really, their, their bases, you know, that's who they're aiming it at. Um, yeah. I don't know. Trump, yeah, Trump's as if voting shit, is the, yeah, obviously, as if voting is the only option to get them out. Yeah. Um, what would he do? What would he do for real though? If, if people stopped uh, writing about him, talking about him, tweeting about him, like what, what would he do? You know, I, I, I do wonder like how would well, he that's react? The question. Because, because he like is so, I think like you said, he does enjoy the attention. And I think to that end, he is acting more, flagrant than he normally would in order to get the attention for sure like you know that's that's it he just wants to spit that trump jazz go you know he wants every day to be like a trump rally where everyone's chanting for him because he's saying you know uh, a funny saying or rhyming something and that's that's it that's what he believes the presidency is yeah and, you know, i mean twitter I mean, is that platform he's been trying to get in the spotlight forever i mean when the central park five incident happened he was you know, in all the papers talking about, you know, saying some horrible stuff about those kids. And like, he just always wants to be the center of attention, even though he has nothing to do with the, with the events that are happening. You know, when he didn't want to be the center of attention, when's that back in February, because he actually, <laughs> uh, was, was part of an interview that was taped. It turns out. And, um, Woodward reports in his upcoming book, Rage, that National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien gave Trump a jarring top-secret briefing on the virus on January 28th. 
O'Brien told Trump that the virus would be the biggest national security threat of his administration, and his deputy warned of asymptomatic spread, Woodward writes, reportedly causing Trump's head to pop up. Trump told Woodward in May that he didn't remember the briefing, adding, I'm sure he said it, and calling O'Brien a nice guy. Trump acknowledged to Woodward in an interview dated February 7th that the virus goes through air, sorry, goes through air, and is more deadly than even your strenuous flus, despite him tweeting in March that the coronavirus is less deadly than the flu and repeatedly claiming the virus would disappear. Um, And, of course, recently he said in August that young people are basically immune to the virus. And um, There's like 17 articles about it on CNN if you guys need, so... Oh yeah, yeah, at least seventeen. Do you think that? Um, do you think that it would have made a difference if if Trump had publicized what he knew? I mean, I don't doubt that he literally just didn't listen or forgot it, uh, because he is a chuckle fuck. But you know, do you think any lives could have been saved? I mean, probably he, because I'm sure his base, um, you know, a lot of his base doesn't take it seriously. You know, uh, I'm, I don't know the exact number, but I'm sure a large percentage of it seem seem not to have. So. Uh, you know, if he came out and was like, listen, take it seriously, wear a mask, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think it would have changed. It would have probably helped the hospitals not be overwhelmed um, at the very least. And, you know, that that probably could have saved some lives. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he obviously bungled this whole thing. And uh, no matter how he, he how he tries to spin it, he, he, he really screwed it up. Yeah, I've also seen people that are mad at the journalist at, at Woodward for for not releasing that information sooner. But like, like I get it, but also everyone knew it was dangerous, right? Like, didn't we know? Wasn't the media already saying it was dangerous? So if another media source comes out and says, "Oh, it's dangerous," like anything short of Trump literally like saying something in a meeting or tweeting out, like you said, his base. Would they have taken it? Would they have taken it serious? I, yeah, I, I think that his base probably would have, um, at least at least a little more. So you would have you would have saved uh, some lives, but you know. Yeah, if his if he I mean if he gave his speech and was it was telling people directly, you know, to take it seriously, I think that would have really impacted the thoughts of of his uh, his little minions there. Apparently, he, uh, I read somewhere uh, that he didn't want to cause a panic. These were the country's being run by Michael Scott, dude. <laughs> no, Michael Scott's a better person than him. But yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he, it, he's run one. by Michael Scott, if he has a moral code, yeah, yeah. Because even Michael would like would do the right thing at the end of the day. Like yeah. you know, he he, he, would tried, feel bad. he tried to do the right thing. He was just a terrible leader and tone deaf. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I believe three days ago, Julian Assange's trial actually resumed, um, oh. which is you know uh, pretty big news that no one is talking about. <laughs> so that's uh, that's fun. Um, yeah, Assange's legal battle to avoid U.S. espionage trial resumes in London. Lawyers for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange on Monday failed to persuade a British judge to throw out new U.S. allegations against him as he resumed his fight to avoid extradition to the United States for leaking military secrets. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. I, you know, I'm assuming most people know what WikiLeaks is, but if they don't and you're listening, it's basically an, it was an international nonprofit organization that publishes news leaks and classified media provided by anonymous sources. 
Um, and Julian Assange uh, is an Australian internet activist, and he's generally described as its founder and director. So um, the United States really targeted him because he he leaked a lot of a lot of its secrets, um, many of which you know people feel were very important stuff that that we should know that was being kept against you know kept against us and being used against us without our our knowledge. So you know Julian Assange, I think it was about uh, gosh I don't know how many months ago. Six months, eight months. He was, um, you know, he he was going to be. He was arrested in London, basically, and going to be extradited back to the U.S. But he is fighting it right now, um, and he actually uh, a day ago was warned by the uh, the judge because he had an outburst in court. So uh, Julian Assange oh. warned by judge after outburst during during extradition trial. The WikiLeaks founder told he faces removal after interjection during lawyers' exchanges. So um, basically, these lawyers are going back and forth, uh, and they're they're trying to paint the picture of of what Assange did, why he should be you know sent to the United States to be prosecuted. Um, and I, I guess he got very upset by it. They they couldn't get the exact words that he said, but it, they believe he said this is nonsense. Uh, in reference to what was being oh said God, about him. Oh my God, that's powerful language. <laughs> yeah, and the judge... How could he get away with the that? The judge said, if you interrupt proceedings, it is open to me to proceed in your absence. This is obviously something I would not wish to do. She had told him, I understand you hear things you disagree with and you like to contradict and speak about these things yourself, but this is not your opportunity to do so. So uh, they basically want him to shut his mouth, right? And not say anything. Um, he is facing an 18-count American indictment. He's been formally rearrested on a new U.S. indictment, Damn. which updates and broadens previous charges. All but one are for violations of the country's Espionage Act. So, uh, and, you know, the, uh, we'll have, obviously, the article in the notes here. Um, there's two articles about it. And more or less, you know, he's trying to say that it's the Trump administration that is going after him, and that previous administrations had agreed not to go after him at that point. Um, but he, you know, he he was in danger of the Obama administration coming after him a few times, but it seemed like they backed off. So I guess now his his defense is is Trump targeting him when he was already you know let go by America. Uh, and I, I don't know how it's going to go for him, but probably not well. You know, I can't imagine him getting out of this because uh, when America comes for you, they're going to get you, right? And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have their feelings about Julian Assange, about him as a person. Um, I think he actually had some sexual assault allegations against him some time ago. Yeah, I, I, I heard that. Now, apparently none of those are being used against him in this trial, though. No, exactly. So, you know... So, interesting. Because, like, because I remember you and I had it out a bit when this first came up, because, like, me... um you know, being the the liberal feminist I was, like as soon as I hear that there's sexual assault allegations against somebody, I always believe the uh, you know the the uh, the alleged victim, the alleged survivor. Yep. So I was like, I don't know, dude. Like he's got allegations against him. And you were like, you really believe those? And I'm like, yeah, I believe every one of them. Um, but like, uh, but it is you know interesting that none of those are being used against him. It seems that they really just don't like him leaking war crimes and military secrets. It, exactly. You know, it'd be, I, I'm not going to defend him if they want to go after him for for the sexual assault stuff. Listen, if they prove that he did it and they want to go after him, by all means, you know what I mean. But yeah, don't, you know, or he could run for president of the United States. <laughs> Either yeah, way. yeah. we don't we seem do, to yeah. care. 
But yeah. the fact that they're going after him for, for like you said, leaking war crimes and, and you know, things that the United States had uh, had done. They, they were not lies. This was, this was true classified information that was, you know, very important to be leaked and uh, really painted America in, you know, a very interesting light. And I think anyone who's familiarized herself with WikiLeaks or, or, you know, Julian Assange is definitely in support of this stuff being leaked. Um, you know, unless you're, you know, like pro America and you just want to be like, those are, those are American secrets. You're, you know, you're, you're really, you're really leaking things that aren't supposed to be told, but they need to be told. And oh yeah. You just reminded me Chelsea Manning happened under Obama too. Didn't that? Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Fucking God, dude. So, <laughs> so yeah, Julian Assange is, is in, you know, he's actively on trial and, uh, no one is really discussing this and, and it is very important, um, you want to talk about freedom, this is our freedom right here. Well said. Uh, I want to talk about a woman who still has her freedom currently. This is some local news. Uh, according to News 12, police say they have arrested a Hopog woman in connection to a Ronkonkoma hit and run in which two kids on bicycles were hurt Monday night. Police say the boys were riding bicycles around 7.30 p.m. on the shoulder of the Long Island Expressway service road when they were hit by a vehicle that fled the scene. Police say a nine-year-old boy from North Amityville was airlifted to Stony Brook University Hospital, where he is in serious condition. A 12-year-old boy was also rushed to the same hospital and treated for serious injuries. A six-year-old boy was not injured. Um, so detectives say 31-year-old Shannon Palmer was arrested at her Hopog home early Tuesday morning and was charged with two counts of leaving the scene of an incident with serious physical injury. She was given a supervised release with alcohol and, nar- and narcotics conditions. She is due back in court on September 14th. Before you talk about this, I have one question. You want to guess the skin colors of the people involved in this case? I can't possibly imagine. Okay. The two kids who were hit and airlifted to Stony Brook? What were they? Black. What? The woman who was released after hitting these kids and fleeing the scene? She she wasn't white, was she? As a matter of fact, my friend, she was. Oh my god! Um, Mind and blown. This didn't even cross my radar, but I recently joined like a protesting group, and um, yeah, they mentioned it, and like they've actually been protesting this. Uh, we haven't had cable because of a power outage, and our cable box is fucked. So <laughs> I don't know if I mean obviously I guess they're talking about it on the News Twelve website, but I'm wondering how much it's actually being covered uh, on on TV. Well, you know, just thank God she wasn't like selling cigarettes, you know, loose cigarettes or something, because like that's really that's really dangerous, you know. Yeah, or uh, riding a bicycle herself because mm. you might get an infraction if you're riding a bike in L.A., like uh, Dijon Kizzy. Mm. Wow, unbelievable, yep. unbelievable. There's this is kind of also local news a little bit for Long Island. Um, the Shinnecock Building Moratorium Graves Protection Act adopted. After months of protests, members of the Shinnecock Nation saw steps taken by Southampton Town to protect sacred ancestral burial grounds. So this was kind of a big victory for the Shinnecock tribe. Um, you know, if anyone's been following the news over, uh, I guess, the last, what, two, three hundred years, Native Americans don't do too well usually. <laughs> so they, they typically no, don't win. Not. Uh, they don't. They don't get uh, treated too fairly, and as we know, we are currently living um, on their home, right? We 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 took their home from them. Uh, America was, you know, 
the natives homeland and we basically took the land from them and and funneled them to specific areas so here on long island uh where the shinnecock nation um you know lived before it was taken away from most of the land from them they uh they're, they're fighting to to protect what they believe are their ancient burial grounds which is obviously very important to them so yeah, after months of protests by members of the shinnecock nation the southampton town board acted tuesday to protect sacred burial grounds from development and desecration the southampton town board voted unanimously to approve the grace protection act um, and the shinnecock hills building moratorium to protect areas believed to be the ancient burial grounds members of the shinnecock nation have long rallied to stop building in the fort hill and sugarloaf areas and other locations where they believe their ancestors are buried the purpose of this moratorium is to review the current laws and land use tools available to the town to address the issue of unmarked graves and burial sites with the goal of adopting local legislation to ensure that human remains and associated funerary artifacts remain undisturbed to the maximum extent practical and are treated with the utmost respect consistent with the wishes of descendants and culturally affiliated groups. So, you know, they're, they're at the bare minimum trying to protect um, graves and bodies of their people. Uh, from being built upon, you know, uh, in, into whether it's malls or apartment complexes or whatever the hell people want to build on, they they are they've been protesting and fighting to protect this land, and they did they did win this, you know. Um, we'll see what happens because there's always loopholes I find. Yeah, right. It, I'm surprised. Me too. Me too. So uh, I, I am very glad for them. It, it's again the least that could be done. Uh, and, and I hope it stands and I hope they get to protect this and they get to recover um, the bodies of their ancestors and, and are able to protect them in, in you know, a very, uh, you know, the way that they would want to be treated. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to drop that in there for, for any local Long Islanders. Um, you, know, learn, you can learn about the Shinnecock tribe a little bit. They, they, were, they were here before us and uh, it, it's very sad what's happened to them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also want to note that Standing Rock protesters had uh, the Army Corps of Engineers called on them during the Obama presidency. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, that and this and many other examples, like you said, you know, they, they show that, no, nah, Native Americans, avoid, sorry, indigenous people, because they weren't Americans. America happened to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were know, that, they're na know, native of the continent, right, of North native America. Of North America, the continent, yeah. Um, which who knows if it would even have been called that. Um, yeah. but yeah, they, uh, obviously have always gotten the short end of the stick. So it's cool, uh, that, that they, they had this small victory. Hopefully people actually follow up with it. Um, I have some examples a little bit later on of lawmakers not following up with, uh, with certain agreements that have been made. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised that, you know, that, that Southampton agreed to it because I, you know, I don't, I don't know necessarily about their government, their, you know, their local government, but I do know that like a lot of Long Island, like once you go east of a certain part, like gets not just very white, but also there is like a clan presence in the Hamptons. Oh, really? So, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, le like legitimate, like people have like found uh clan pamphlets on their cars and oh stuff God. when they come back from eating dinner and everything. So speaking of white supremacy, I, I also want to talk about uh, Daniel Prude. A black man died of asphyxiation earlier this year after Rochester police officers trying to take him into protective custody pinned him to the ground while restraining him. The incident occurred in March, two months before George Floyd's very similar death in Minneapolis touched off nationwide protests, yet it didn't become public until now. The curtain was lifted on the death of 41-year-old Daniel T. Prude at a late morning news conference Wednesday, at which Prude's family and local activists called his death a murder and demanded that the officers involved be fired and charged with homicide. 
We are in need of accountability for the wrongful death and murder of Daniel Prude. He was treated inhumanely and without dignity, said Ashley Gant, a community organizer from the Free the People, Rock, and the New York Civil Liberties Union. These officers killed someone and they're still patrolling in our community. So uh, you can look up the article yourself. There is a body cam video as well. But the long and the short of it, at least from what I understand, you could fill me in on anything I might be missing, Ty, is that there was a man, uh, Daniel Prude, who uh, he, is a, he was a black man. He was having a psychotic break. Yep. I, I'm not sure if it was a psychotic break, but it was it was a mental health episode in which he needed help. Was it his brother who called uh, the cops? Uh, or yeah, I'm not sure, but called they did, 911. They did say he ingested not. PCP, and that probably... Uh, caused, you know, obviously a really bad reaction. So that won't help. Uh, yeah, so, um, and there are officers who were saying, like, oh, like, he told us he had COVID, so we put a spit uh, spit uh, bag over his head or something like that, um, which I don't, you know, we can't know if that if that's legit. I didn't uh, actually see the full, I didn't hear the full video. I've seen yeah. the full video. Um, but basically, this man is out in the middle of the street. It is snowing, in Rochester, he is naked. They put a bag over his head. If this doesn't look like a fucking lynching, right? Yeah. We talked about in Watchmen, hooded justice wears a hood for this specific reason, right? Yep. They literally put a hood over this guy's head, and you see this dude doing fucking diamond push-ups on this dude's head. He has both of his feet on the ground, and his hands are pushing right into this guy's head. I don't know that. You don't even restrain someone like that in martial arts. How are you going to restrain somebody like that when you're, they said, quote, attempting to, to, to bring him in? Are you kidding me, bro? They held him, they held him face down, right, in the spit, spit hood for over two minutes and 15 seconds. You know, it, it's like, are you really that shocked that he stopped breathing? I, I mean, like, it was murder. It was absolutely murder. Was he probably a little out of control? Absolutely. I understand you, you have to use some sort of restraint. Um, they claim he was spitting, so they put the, put, put the spit hood on. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. They put the spit hood over his head and and held him down, face down on the ground. Like I I, I don't understand why they needed to take that next step. Uh, and you know it clearly didn't. It killed him, right? So it, it's disgusting. I can't believe it took this long to come forward with the video and for you know people to finally be talking about it. You know his family deserves um, a lot more respect and he deserved a lot more respect than than what he's gotten. Yeah, apparently seven officers associated with the death have uh, been suspended. I think their uh, their chief or their sheriff or somebody in Rochester just um, uh, just resigned because uh, you know he basically said like, "Oh, um, you know, I don't want people uh, attacking my character. I'm handling this investigation fairly, and people are saying that I'm not." Blah blah blah. Like, so here's the thing: Why were the officers just suspended now? If that's the case, you've had that footage. Yep. So not till it came public, right? Did he do it? Yeah, like he had that. He probably saw that footage. It, it's 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 disturbing in every way. It's it's cold. It's nighttime. They have him out on the asphalt, and you know this is where the defund the police uh, movement idea, whatever you want to call it, uh, comes in. Is that if they called, if you call nine one one on somebody who is is uh, is having a, a psychotic break. They shouldn't automatically send the cops like they should send somebody who's equipped to deal with with people who have mental health problems. Um, I a couple of weeks ago, I actually had to call 911 because there was a crash 
uh, over over by uh, by where I was. I just happened to be nearby. I wasn't involved at all. But like, I called nine one one, and you know, they were kind of dicks. They were like, "Oh, was anyone um, drunk or or under the influence of anything in the accident?" I'm like, "I don't think so." They're like, "Can we talk to somebody who was actually in the accident?" And I'm like, "This kid's like nineteen years old, and he's in shock. Like, he is luckily like physically all right." But you know, they send the ambulance. They I saw a fire truck. There were firemen who came by, and they also sent two cop cars. Yep. And the do. cop cars were there the longest. And like, I understand you have to get like, you know, people's stories and stuff like that. But why, you know, why not send like literally anybody else, like somebody who works with car insurance and stuff like that? Like, if you've assessed that it's not a dangerous situation. You know, or maybe even send one cop car. Like, it's just every time we call emergency services, cops are the first people who show up, and they should sometimes be the last people to show up. Like, that's 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 how I feel I, about no, it. No, I agree. I mean, I think I, I brought this up about uh, my job a few times, and when I've had to call 911, and, you know, someone's passed out in the ground, and they still send the police officer there, and, and he just kind of stands there, right? And he, he's like, so what happened? And he like, asks a few questions, but he doesn't actually he doesn't do anything. And then the paramedics come and they take care of the situation. The cop just hangs out until the paramedics leave. And then she's like, all right, have a good day. You know, like that, that's all they really wound up doing. Uh, so uh, again, I'm not sure why, why they're there, especially if it's not a, you know, an incident that requires their attention, but they, they come anyway. So you're, you're getting the whole deal no matter, no matter what. And of course, when you look it up, first thing you see is, Oh, unrest in Rochester, but they don't want to talk about the guy who died. They always talk about, they're never going to talk about, oh, uh, this sneezing needs to stop, but never about the fact that, that the body has a cold, something like that. Um, you know, now now this does hit hit me personally, uh, you know, that I have mental illness in my family history. My mom was a paranoid schizophrenic, uh, had, had some uh, psychosis in there as well. She was psychotic. And, um, you know, knowing her and seeing, like, a lot of the group homes she was in and out of, uh, you know, while I was growing up, like, I know firsthand that mentally ill people or people with differences you know they may not even be mentally ill they may just be like on the autism spectrum let's take a look at uh, Elijah McLean who um, wasn't like on paper like I don't think they said he was on the spectrum but like if you've ever worked with the community you know and you know he was also uh, killed by cops. I want to say what last year, the year yeah. before, maybe. I think they did the say he was on the spectrum. Just, I think they, they, did they? They okay. do say when, that at now, the time. Definitely. I was okay. Now, all right. When I was looking at it, when it was coming out, they didn't mention it, but I was, I was like, yo, and you know, and like, you know, they did the same. They did pretty much the same thing. And like, you know, these two guys didn't die on the scene. They died after from the injuries that they sustained. So. Like I, I, it's terrible, but I looked up some stuff. There's a there's a really great um, journal you can find in the show notes, and I, I just pulled some facts from it. According and this came out in 2019, so it's pretty current. According to federal data, 40% of prisoners were diagnosed with a mental health disorder between 2011 and 2014. Every year, two million people with psychological problems are jailed, based on estimates by the National Alliance on Mental Illness. A 2016 report by the Treatment Advocacy Center found that mental ill prisoners stay locked up longer, cost more to house, and are more likely to commit suicide and be placed in solitary solitary confinement. Wow. Um, most mentally ill people end up in prison instead of being sent to where they could get help. From the 1960s to the present, the U.S. incarceration rate more than tripled, and around 2.2 million people are currently incarcerated nationwide. Because remember, we are uh, the freest country in the world. 
yet a third of our population are locked up. Uh, during that same period of time, the population of institutionalized mental patients shrank by 90% to under 60,000. So that means that all the people who were, who were like mental Ill, mentally ill patients who were getting help, they stopped being institutionalized and went into the criminal justice system, went into the prison industrial complex. Um, Elisa Roth, author of Insane, America's Criminal Treatment of Mental Illness, estimates that half of U.S. prisoners suffer from a mental illness since the lack of other treatment options means they are more likely to end up behind bars. So everybody who's listening, keep this in mind. Money that's going to give uh, fucking local police departments tanks can be redistributed to help people with mental illness who, as, we, as we've seen time and again, are more likely to be victims of violence than the perpetrators of it. I have two yeah. more facts. Uh, Congress first addressed mental health treatment at the national level with an 1854 bill. That's when this 1854, a bill that designated 10 million acres of public land for mental health facilities, but it was vetoed by President Franklin Pierce. The next national legislation didn't follow until 1946. President JFK championed passage of the Community Mental Health Act just prior to his 1963 assassination though it was never funded by Congress. So a guy did try to do the right thing and pass this thing through, and after he was assassinated, they didn't fund it. So, um, And also, when Medicaid was created in 1965, it didn't cover people in institutions of mental diseases, but did allow federal funds to finally reach community mental health centers. President Jimmy Carter signed the Mental Health Systems Act of 1980, providing more federal money directly to community mental health care facilities. But the next president, Ronald Reagan, spearheaded a repeal of the law and slashed mental health spending by 33%. Um, you know, and uh, obviously things haven't been great in our country as far as mental health and, and uh, health coverage in general. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the people who do claim that mass shootings are perpetrated by people with mental health problems, they'll never uh, they'll never criticize their own party for slashing mental health funding. So. <laughs> like, it's, it's just uh, I mean, I mean, know, part of it's being black and part of it is the mental illness, too. Like, but just look know. at like how, how the prison system works. Like, like, look at like uh, Khalif Browder, right, who, who went to prison for allegedly stealing a backpack and his family couldn't couldn't pay the uh, the bail. So he, he spent uh, years in prison. He he tried to commit it's a crime to be broke. He tried to commit suicide and they put him in solitary confinement. He spent 400 days there. Like how the fuck is that the answer? You know what I mean? Like, Christ. like, like. All right, he's he's a danger to himself. Let's just let's just shove him in a cell, all alone with no interactions, uh, and that for four hundred days. That won't fuck him up, right? So when he finally did get out, he killed himself. He he killed himself. Like he didn't get the help he actually needed. Um, he, in fact, they probably caused most of what what led to his suicide in the first place. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just like, they don't care, right? They just, they don't care about actually helping you. Um, it just, it doesn't fit into, into what they're looking to do. It doesn't, you know, it it doesn't make them money to help your mental illness. Helps to throw you in a cell. Well, yeah, especially in a for-profit prison system. I actually want to follow that up with a story about a 13 year old boy with autism who you won't be able to guess his color. Uh, which probably gives you a hint that you can. Uh, you can guess his <laughs> ethnicity. 13-year-old boy with autism was shot several times by police officers who responded to his home in Salt Lake City after his mother called for help. 
So once again, I doubt she called the cops. She probably just called 911, and that's who they sent. Lyndon Cameron was recovering in a Utah hospital, his mother said, after suffering injuries to his shoulder, both ankles, his intestines, and his bladder. Uh, Golda Barton told KUTV she called 911 to request a crisis intervention team because her son, who has Asperger's syndrome, was having an episode caused by bad separation anxiety as his mother went to work for the first time in more than a year. I said, he's unarmed. He doesn't have anything. He just gets mad and he starts yelling and screaming, she said. He's a kid. He's trying to get attention, but he doesn't know how to regulate. Oh, much like our president. This kid has a bright fucking future. Uh, She added, they're supposed to come out and be able to de-escalate a situation using the most minimal force possible. And, uh, you know, oh, and she also said, he's a small child. Why didn't you just tackle him? He's a baby. He has mental issues. And I'll leave it at that. You can read the whole article in The Guardian if you want, but... You know, this is a 13-year-old a white boy, and guess what? I haven't heard any of the All Lives Matter people come out and say shit. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, right? Not a peep. Not, not as far as I know. You know, even when they, they fucking get one of your own, you couldn't care less. Because you're, you're simping so hard for these centuries of capitalism. Centuries, wow. not centuries. The, <laughs> both. You know, I mean, both. Like a person. Also that, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, I figured wow. the opinions on that are pretty simple, but just want to let people yeah. know that absolutely happened. Wow. So uh, I have have this article here that says the Oscars new inclusion standards announced to qualify for best picture. So the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences on Tuesday announced a wave of new representation and inclusion standards for Oscar eligibility in the best picture category. So this is a pretty big deal. I'm going to read a little bit more of the article, and then, uh, I'll, you know, obviously we'll have in the show notes if you want to read more about it. But the yeah. Academy explains that the Oscars rules changes are part of its Academy's Aperture 2025 initiative and the body's overall push for diversity and equitable representation in front of and behind the camera in order to reflect a more diverse global film-going audience. The Aperture must widen to reflect our diverse global population in both the creation of motion pictures and in the audiences who connect with them, said Academy President David Rubin and Academy CEO Don Hudson in a statement. So the Academy breaks down how and when the changes will be implemented and what will be required for the 94th Oscars 2022 and 95th Oscars 2023. Submitting a confidential Academy inclusion standards form will be required for best picture consideration. However, meeting the inclusion thresholds will not be required for eligibility in the best picture category until the 96th Oscars 2024. So basically they have a a whole plan that you have to meet um, two of four uh, sections basically to be eligible for best picture starting in 2024, but they're going to make everybody, I guess, you know, fill this, this form out, uh, for the next two years for the Oscars, just, I guess, to kind of gauge where people are at and and more or less what it's going to be is, you know, uh, for example, um, standard a on screen representation themes and narratives to achieve standard a, the film must meet one of the following criteria, the lead or significant supporting actor, uh, is from an underrepresented, or underrepresented racial or ethnic group, um, or a general and ensemble cast of at least 30% of all actors in secondary or more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups. So they, they have, uh, th- this goes on, it's, it's, it's pretty long, I'm not going to read them all, but more or less whether it's uh, the actors on screen, who's behind the film working on even the promotional materials, 
um, in the editing room, they are going to make you meet two of four requirements showing that you are actually giving jobs to people of color uh, in, in one of these many different forms in order to actually be nominated for best picture. So starting in 2024, if you do not meet the requirements for one of, uh, for two of these four sections, you will not be eligible for best picture. Wow. Yeah. I, that's um, kind of huge. Uh, I'm a little surprised. surprised. Yeah. 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 Jinx. Uh, did not expect that from Hollywood. Hollywood has a very, very long history of uh, sexism, racism. I mean, look at Harvey Weinstein, um, you know, and the fact that they are making such a giant push is, uh, is good. You know, uh, whether it comes from a good place or not, it, it, I think the end result is good. So I'll take it right. Uh, there's, there's such a, an underrepresented, you know, group in Hollywood and, and to give people, you know, behind the camera jobs and, and, and more actors like John Boyega, a chance to, to really show off, their, their skills and, and have, you know, a fair shot, I think is huge. Um, so they have two years to get their shit together or you can't be uh, nominated for best picture. So yeah. Yeah. But I, I see a lot of people going the John Boyega route, uh, that Disney took with them too. And being like, all right, like, let's just get a black person working this so we can say we had a black person or let's just get, you know, this person. Oh, what, what's your DNA test? All right, let's put you on. You're the best boy. Um, your grip, <laughs> like no, I mean, um, yeah, I, granted, it is a, I do think I, I do think that genuine inclusion is important. Like, uh, not genuine, but uh, to the point that, um, like Lindelof did with the writer writers room for for Watchmen, you know, is what I brought up in previous ones. Like, you know, it, you know, it is interesting for Hollywood to just be like, listen, if you fuckers aren't gonna do it. <laughs> you know, you you can you can do all you want, but you're not gonna get a nomination for Best Picture, like. You know, so so that that is an interesting move. Yeah, I mean, um, and they're being very specific. You know, they're saying either they have to be a um, in a leadership position, such as casting director, cinematographer, uh, composer. So not grip. Uh, you know, or 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 they said you other key roles. So at least six of technical positions, such as first AD, gaffer, script supervisor. Um, and, and basically the categories are like women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities who are deaf or hard of hearing. So it's a pretty broad uh, category. It's not just, you know, for black and brown people. Um, you know, it, it's for anyone who's underrepresented. So I think it's great. You know, you can't argue that they're they're just doing it for one group. They're doing it for everybody now. And they are trying to make it very important roles. Like you said, it can't just be, you know, extras or, or uh, you know, what a really minor role on set. So, um, you know, hopefully this, this does have a positive impact. I guess we will find out in the next few years. Uh, but you know, I'm glad they're yeah, trying something. No loopholes. Yes. You know? Yes. Agreed. I hope not either. You know, like it says you get to meet two of the four. I wish you had to meet all four of the four, but I guess it's something. Yeah. Like they'll be like, all right, get a black person. And like, they'll go with like the lightest skinned, you know, like black person they could like, I, you know, I'm interested to see how they, how they pull it off. Yeah, we, definitely. Uh, we shall see. We're going to maybe see um, some very different pictures uh, nominated you know, for Best Picture going forward, which would be nice. Police shooting of Michael Reinal, what we know about fatal encounter with Fugitive Task Force in Washington. Uh, so I mentioned last episode, well, we, we talked about it last episode, how uh, there was, um, I, I want to say it was Portland, uh, a guy named Michael Reinal, he was uh, on, you know, he was a Black Lives Matter protester. He was sprayed with chemicals by a, uh, you know, by one of the Patriot Prayer dudes. 
and, uh, you know, not knowing what he was being sprayed with, acted in self-defense and killed this man. And uh, here's what's happened since. Here's what we know so far about the killing of Michael Forrest Reinhold by members of a federal fugitive task force. He was wanted in the fatal shooting in downtown Portland last Saturday of a man during a confrontation after a pro-Trump caravan rolled through town. Rhino, 48, was shot about 7.30 p.m. Thursday after he walked out of an apartment at a complex near Lacey, Washington. He ran to a car nearby and got in, but it was blocked by police SUVs. Officers shot at the car. He got out, tried to run, and officers fired again. Rhino died at the scene. It's not clear why he was in Lacey or at the apartment. Witnesses reported 30, hearing 30 to 50 shots. A neighbor said kids and families were running for their lives and cars were struck when the officers fired at Rhino. Um, you can wow. find out the rest on the on the website and the footnotes, but um, I'm now wondering if the guy he killed wasn't like related to law enforcement in some way. Yeah, because why, they ta- why they so rolled- many of them targeting him, you know? Yeah, they roll deep when it's one of their own, and guess what? Nobody's coming after Kyle Rittenhouse like this, are they? Nope. So, nope. <laughs> like Kyle Rittenhouse is still walking around free, and you know they'll like they'll they'll get him in court whenever. Like, is Michael? You know, was Michael Rhino really a fugitive like they said he was? Dude, I mean, once again, I cannot say it enough. You've already finished the podcast series. I'm working on finishing it right now. Yeah. Uh, behind the police, please, please listen. Um, it's fantastic. It, it it is, and it's unfortunate hearing a lot of the facts about uh, about cops and everything, uh, you know, their history in the United States and in the world in general. But like, it's not the first time that they have that they have encouraged vigilantism no. and, and deputized, uh, you know, average people in order to you know to to keep down the lower class and you know, namely uh, black people as well. Um, yeah, no, Portland. De- yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely listen to the podcast. And you know, you, you said they shot at him thirty to fifty times, right? So you know, it's something I actually learned from that podcast. You know, why police sometimes fire so many rounds, um, and oh. it's because they are very inaccurate. Uh, apparently, they're they're so stressed and and angry or scared or whatever emotion going through them, they are incredibly inaccurate. So I believe uh, the stats were for like the NYPD, who are considered one of the best trained police uh, units in the United States. They have an accuracy of thirty percent, which is supposedly really high for I police. I read that somewhere. I was preparing for another podcast. Actually. Yeah, like Holy like thirty percent is a high percentage of of hit. Um, so police are typically not hitting their target, right? They're firing blindly and wildly in in a direction. Um, and that's why they're just unloading so many rounds. Uh, but also important to note was they were including, I believe, uh, police suicides in that number. So if you shot yourself in the head, right, you were a cop who shot yourself in the head. They consider that a one shot kill, one shot hit. So that went into that percentage of 30%. So it's probably significantly lower than that. Um, so again, police are, when they're firing someone, they're firing um, like 50 rounds almost blindly. So if you're anywhere in the vicinity, you're probably going to die. Like remember that UPS driver uh, last year who was taken captive? Holy shit, I forgot right? about that. Right, and, he, and, and the cops fired oh, yeah. blindly at the truck and wound up murdering him uh, because they, they just don't hit their target. They're not great shots. Uh, so... It's kind of terrifying. It's it's really really scary. I'm I'm still trying to get over the fact that um, cops can kill themselves and still not be a hundred percent accurate. 
<laughs> like, yeah. imagine, like, it's fucked up. They got, you know, they're trying to kill themselves in the first place. But imagine, like, putting a gun in your mouth. You sneeze at, like, the last second. It shoots out of your cheek, bounces <laughs> off, like, the toilet, hits a black man across the street. Like, <laughs> oh my it's like God. the Judge Dread guns, you know? They're made to oh, hit their geez. targets regardless. Well, well, it's funny is they're, they're almost saying, like, yeah, when a, you know, when a cop commits suicide, they're taking a bad guy off the street, right? It's like, ooh. Oh that, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're gonna they're, they're roll that, that number in, the in there. yeah, yeah, not not our words. Um, you know, meanwhile, you have a guy in Minneapolis who, over lack of sex, killed his wife, ended up uh, shooting. Um, let me see, he faces three second degree murder charges after allegedly killing his spouse and critically injuring young women next door during a violent fit of rage on Sunday night. Meish um, Messick. Message allegedly began his spree just before 11 p.m., shooting his wife in the neck and torso before training his weapon on neighbors, Michaela Salter, outlaw, 12, and her sister, Kanisha Salter, 29, who were outside loading a moving truck at the time. Yeah, probably trying to get the fuck out of that neighborhood. Um, <laughs> Michaela was shot in the head while Kanisha was shot several times in her leg and hip. His neighbors were black, by the way, uh, according to the reports. Um, what I want to get to is where it talks about when the – oh, here we go. Police estimate Message fired off 40 rounds during the police standoff and that they found a cache of several guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition inside his home. So with somebody who fired off 40 rounds during a standoff with the police is known to have killed at least three people. You'd think that if they're going to kill a man for riding a bike wrong and apparently dropping a gun in some clothes, or they're going to kill a man for being naked in the middle of the street and having a, uh, a psychotic break, that they would kill this guy, right? You would think. You would think. Nope. Betty White. He is white, and he was taken in alive. So don't give me any of the shit about how scared cops get. Uh, you know, they fear for their lives and everything. They just, they, if you're white, they just always seem to be able to take you in alive, you know? I, I shouldn't say always, but there's a significantly higher chance of it. Yeah, meanwhile, you know, the 13-year-old boy with autism gets fucking, you know, they're trying to turn this kid into the next 50 cent, but, you know, this other dude, let's just, you know, let, let him let him live, let him do his thing. And obviously, I'm not saying fucking kill him on, the, on, on site, you know, put him through a trial and put his ass behind bars or whatever, but like... Just do it for black people, know. too. Right? Yeah, yeah, give them <laughs> give them a shot as well, you know? Man. Before we get out of here, I wanted to talk about uh California. There was a gender reveal party uh with some with some uh pyrotechnics and it has caused over 10,000 acres in uh damage. If you look at videos, recent videos, the smoke has actually blocked out the sun and the fire is like ign- like is showing through the smoke, so it's literally just orange skies ever since the morning in northern california dude it's it's terrifying it's really it looks terrifying. like the apocalypse yeah it's, I, it's seriously terrible i saw images earlier and it's it's really yeah. really scary you know but fuck the environment yeah. boy biden doesn't want to you know ban fracking there was an earthquake in jersey today <laughs> in jersey in jersey yep it, it you know the earth is screaming for help right the earth is crying for help and when people like, you know, Greta Thunberg come forward and, and ask for people to, to just take a minute and, and, and try to help the planet, you know, people like Donald Trump tell her she should shut the fuck up. But then, you know, you have uh, 
Kyle Rittenhouse going in and murdering people, and, and everyone wants to talk about how an American hero he is and, and, and stuff. You know, it's just like, no, they don't care. They just don't care. The planet is literally dying under their feet, and they don't care. Yeah, and once again, that's the same all lives matter people. Like, if all lives really matter, you should be worried about climate change. Or if you believe that, you know, uh, violence is when things are lit on fire, you know, if it's during a protest or whatever, you should be like 10,000 times more upset <laughs> yep. over the 10,000 acres that are being destroyed, you know, or is it just when it's police stations? Exactly. Give us a Green New Deal, damn it. But speaking of like uh, Greta Thunberg, the podcast that, I'm, that I do for one of my clients as a voiceover artist, Occupy a Job on Wall Street, like he talks shit about Greta Thunberg in that. And uh, like ba- basically this dude has like he has a lot of boomer takes, but I'm pretty sure he's part of like Generation X. Uh, you know, he, he wants to keep himself anonymous, but spout a bunch of shit about like, you know, how about how our country's so great and how blah, blah, blah. And the last episode uh, that I recorded is the 9-11 episode, which uh, if you're listening to this podcast now, it's at least September 11th, if not after. And, um, you know, it was it was interesting because like a good portion of that episode is actually him interviewing one of his firefighter friends, you know, because regardless of how you feel about 9-11, whether you believe, you know, like Bush was behind it or Al-Qaeda was behind it or whatever, like it happened. Everybody has a story about where they were that day. And, um, you know, it, it was interesting to hear this story, but even so in this episode, dude, it's like the, the biggest copaganda, like the, <laughs> you know, he's all like, you know, like, Oh, like, you know, this guy is now seeing New York city being burnt down around him every night. How about you respect him? How about you listen to his story? And instead of, you know, uh, uh, you know, being mad at police, go out and thank somebody who was courageous enough to wear a uniform that day. And like, so definitely guys, if you, if you want to listen to me spout the opposite of everything, I believe (laughs) go over to occupy a job on wall street. Cause at this point I'm, I'm trying to tell myself, dude, you're Leonardo DiCaprio. You're playing the wall. Uh, Yeah. I was just saying it's the dog of wall street, right? He's, he's, not, yeah, he's not, like the, yeah, he's he's not like, the big yeah. wolf, but he's trying to be. He's not. He's, he's he's the dog. He's definitely there. You know, I mean, and he pulls like a bunch of centrist shit too. Like he like he's not like super pro Trump or anything like that. But he's very much like, oh, the next generation sucks. They're entitled. The military is the best. Um, yep. You know, st- st- stuff like that. Uh, you know, like let's say the R word as much as we want. Uh, you know, because that's how we spoke back then, and and all this other stuff. And it, you know, but um. But definitely, guys, don't think, like, if you were a cop who was literally working on 9-11, then, like, fine. But also, like, if you're a first responder, it is your job to respond do that. Like, yeah, to respond first. Like, the attack, I don't know, man. Like, yes, obviously you thank the person who did that, but not all cops are good because several of them did their jobs that day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, does, it doesn't, like, nobody ex- it doesn't excuse everything else that's happened you know yeah like you're not gonna shoot someone and be like my uncle worked on 9-11 like <laughs> yeah, it, just, you know, it doesn't work like that it 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 doesn't um but yeah just wanted to bring that out check out check it out occupy a job on wall street uh it's what i do for voiceover work from time to time um give me your fun article uh so we just celebrated the 35th anniversary of mario mario who mario. The, uh, the little <laughs> italian plumber himself the <laughs> Uh, the video game icon. So Nintendo was bringing three classic Mario games to the Switch in a bid to boost holiday sales. So, Ooh, uh, yeah. That's N- cool. Nintendo announced remastered versions of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. 
the classic remakes are expected to generate some much needed buzz for Nintendo, and Nintendo shares are up 36%. But let's get into this a little bit more. Nintendo is bringing three classic video games from its beloved Mario franchise to the Nintendo Switch. The games will be bundled into a package Nintendo is calling Super Mario 3D All-Stars, released for $59.99 on a limited basis from September 18th until March 31st, 2021. So apparently, after March 31st, 2021, you'll never be able to buy this game again, unless it's on the you know, third party from eBay or, or whatever. They will stop making oh. this game, yeah, digitally, okay, physically. So it's kind of like, get this game now, you know. But uh, Mario 64 is obviously a, a favorite of many people, myself included. I really love that game. I am super excited for this. They also announced a bunch of other fun stuff, um, such as a mixed reality version of Mario Kart called Mario Kart Live Home Circuit that lets users control physical RC cars from their Switch console. And Super Mario Bros. 35, a Mario-themed oh. take on the Battle Royale genre, popularized by Fortnite. Another announcement from the firm was a modern version of its original Game & Watch handheld machine from the 80s. That will be $49.99. So, a lot of really fun Mario stuff. Um, I'm a big gamer. I know we haven't reviewed any games on this podcast that we may in the future. And, and you know, I just think Halo. it's a... Oh, well, you did. You're right. Oh, my God. We did Halo. I guess it's yeah. just... Fuck you guys me, if you don't remember to, Halo. <laughs> Halo is so much more than just a game. <laughs> but, it was uh, life. Yeah, exactly. So this was fun. It was exciting. I know uh, there's a lot of buzz about it. Um, so if we're looking for a little happiness, you know, Mario brings a lot of happiness to kids of many generations from, from us and, uh, and younger. I play with my eight-year-old nephew all the time. So Mario's not going anywhere. And I thought that was a fun little thing to share. That really is. That's awesome. Yeah, let's let's finish let's finish off with some good news. Like cuz in all of this you need something to get you by. Like uh, you know, as Samwise says, the, the, you know, there is some good in the world and you know, surrounded by so much bad stuff, you got to find your own good. Uh, there's a whole bunch of of feel good news articles at the at the end of our show notes, so if you want to check them out, among them we have um Eternals director Chloe Zhao uh saying that the Eternals is going to have a lot of roots in manga. Yeah. Like a lot of the visual inspirations coming from manga. So I am all on board for that. I can't wait. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Spy Who Dumped Me? No. It's got Mila Kunis, it's got Kate McKinnon, and it's it's like this kind of like rom com, it looks like, like, you know, a buddy cop thing between two chicks after one of them gets dumped. Uh, but like, I was blown away. I put it on because Dee likes Mila Kunis, and, um, you know, she was home and tired for the day, and I didn't want to put on something that I like wanted to watch. So I. Hey, just Justin Theroux's in that too from The Left Figured she'd like it. Dude, it's like a really. I, listen, I, I was stoned, obviously, so I can't tell you if it's like a good, good movie, but like the choreography in this, it's better than it than Extraction was. Wow. Like, yeah, dude, the fucking, like, the whole first scene, you didn't even, you just see, like, the spy who does the dumping, and, like, he's being followed by dudes, and, like, he passes by a pool table, and then, like, takes off his sock, puts a pool ball in the in his sock, and, like, starts whipping it around and fucking all these guys up, and, like, even, even the scenes that, like, you know, that Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon are doing, like, great chase scenes, like, a lot of action that they didn't have to put in this movie. That's like, awesome. It, it's it's way better off than it has any business being. And uh, just just wanted to throw out that sleeper out there. Um, quick question. What movie gets you back into theaters? Um, that like, none of like them. let's say COVID <laughs> is still a thing. There's not one movie that you'll be like, fuck, I got even it, like, because I figure, let's say like you go to like a 9 a.m. showing on a weekday. Like, 
you know, nobody's in the theater but you. Like, guaranteed? Eh, I mean, I don't know how they're doing it now. I haven't been to the movies. But, like, you know, I assume, like, the, you know, they'll have, like, spacing. They're, they're, and, and, I don't and see and any movies sit- getting me out there. I mean, Tenet's out right now, and I'm, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. If you're not seeing Tenet, you're not seeing nothing. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> I want to say Black Widow, but nah. I think... If if the Batman yeah the Batman would by be the a time tough one. if by the time the Batman comes out if 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 you know we're still not like done like, I might see you know like I figure if I go if I go in the morning on a weekday sit all the way in the back of the theater so nobody behind me can cough you could <laughs> wear a mask I guess too right oh well, of course I'd I'd hope everyone uh, actually not everyone everyone are fucking assholes I would wear a mask the whole time yes. I'll just choose a comfortable mask to wear, but a lot of other people are assholes. Um, and uh, last but certainly not least, there was a cosplayer uh, for Deadpool, and um, he's a kid who actually has um, like uh, burn marks on his face. And uh, and he said. It would be my dream come true if Ryan Reynolds got to see this post. This is an Instagram post he made. He's doing a split, and he's wearing the Deadpool costume without a mask. Um, I learned to do the splits just for this photo. Deadpool was honestly, Deadpool has honestly made me way more confident. Anyone who has read or watched anything about Deadpool knows his face and body are pretty messed up, so it's only natural that I cosplay him. I wanted to be as authentic as possible, and that was not to wear a mask. It's so easy to cover up who I am and to give in to despair. Deadpool makes me not care about that stuff and just show my true self. This is me, and I'm not ashamed about it. Deadpool is icy clean, and he's helped my self-esteem so much. I'm owning who I am, and cosplaying Deadpool makes it that much easier. Aw, that's um, cool. Yeah, so yeah, so check that out on Nerdist.com. It's you know pretty cool. Uh, they have like a whole little video um, on him, like you know he's uh, you know just you know there being Deadpool without a mask. And um, Reynolds actually responded and said, uh, "Holy shit, this made my year. Can't even describe what this post means to me." Also, I can do the splits, but only once a year. And it has to be in the lobby of a hospital. Um, so, yeah. So, that was cool. Just, you know, just there is still some good in the world. But listen up, motherfuckers. You got to keep fighting the power whenever you can. Um, and, and that's <laughs> that. I don't, have a, I don't have a write-out song off the top of my head. But if I do, I'll insert it afterwards. And, uh, and we'll, we'll go with there. Anything else you want to add on to this, Ty? No, I think we talked about a lot of, uh, I won't say fun stuff, but interesting stuff and uh yeah stop stop reading about donald trump he doesn't fucking deserve it that's a really good point i like that and um you know listen you can uh you can listen to us and rate and review us on uh podbean at least every episode before this one uh apple <laughs> podcast spotify google podcast the iHeartRadio radio app follow us on twitter at politipop pod uh shout out to all the comrades under 1k all the all the comrades and true lefties out there keeping it real on twitter find us on instagram at politipop podcast email us at politipopcast at gmail.com and you can find our show notes and sources at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com and remember do not read about donald trump but whatever you do read or watch or take in in any way shape or form never stop thinking never stop learning and please always remember to read between the lines well, my cat died in a global pandemic took over my life and i put out some music that nobody liked so i got really sad and bored at the same time and that's why i'm like low-key fuck 2020 still sad still ain't got no money i ain't got a watch up on my wrist 
There's some shit I gotta fix, yo Love keep from 2020 I don't know about The curtain was listed, lifted. Fuck my. <laughs> Sorry. They, they. Oh my fucking god! This guy's vacuuming. He's gonna vacuum. For he's like he's gonna. Life. He's not gonna. He's not gonna fucking suspend these cops. And he's gonna vacuum. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Find us on Instagram at Politipop Podcast. Email us at Politipop. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at politipopcast at gmail.com and you can find our show notes and s- Oh my god. <laughs> and scene. Oh, thank you.